Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Compassion International, a worldwide ministry bringing hope and Jesus to children in need. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Compassion logo to sponsor a child. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. And we're very happy to be back with you folks for another National Crawford Roundtable with John, Roger, Neil, myself, Bob Duco. Happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year, Bob. Well, always uh, looking forward to being together, all of us. And uh, here we go, another another year. It's 2021, plowing through. Kind of a slow news day, news slow news week. Nothing really happening this week. Oh <laughs> yeah. my goodness! Okay. Oh wow. <sighs> I know. So uh, this week's podcast, we're going to talk about the two big things, of course, politically that are going on this week. One of them is uh, the Georgia Senate runoff race that happened on Tuesday, and the other one is the election certification. Uh, for Joe Biden, the Electoral College, and this is taking place on Wednesday. And just for disclosure, folks, we broadcast this on Wednesday morning, so we don't have, uh, we're not privy to everything that has happened. By the time some of you may be listening to this as far as the uh, Wednesday Electoral College certification process goes. But we're going to be talking about that uh, later on in this hour. Right now, let's dive into what happened on Tuesday of this week, the Georgia election. Uh, it does look like at this point that the Democrats are going to have total control of the Senate. At this point, everybody has pretty much called Raphael Warnock over top of Kelly Loeffler. So the Democrats got one. And then between John Ossoff and David Perdue, uh, as of Wednesday morning, it's too close to call. Most places are having it just about 50-50 or just slightly 50.2 to 49.8 in favor of John Ossoff. So at this point, it's looking very good for the Democrats getting total control. Uh, and and so first, let's just kind of go around the table and talk about the the significance of this and, and at least the immediate reaction. I'm kind of curious what you guys are thinking. And Neil, let me start with you. Of course, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Some of your immediate takeaway thoughts on the prospect of the Democrats getting full control now of the Senate. Well, you know, we all knew that it could happen. I I wasn't expecting it to happen. I was thinking, and it, it could still pan out that way, but I was thinking that at least there would be a split. I wasn't convinced that the Republicans could win both of those seats. But, you know, this is uh, there's a new day dawning now. And, and depending on what happens later today, of course, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, but depending on what happens later today, uh, in the House and the Senate, when they look at those electoral college votes, you know the the reality is that the Trump era may be completely over. Um, the the ideology of stuff's going to hang around for a while, and there's an awful lot of disgruntled supporters, many of whom are on the streets in Washington D.C. right now. But as far as where we go from here, no matter what, I think the landscape has tremendously changed. And whatever happens in the next four years, eight years, twelve years, um, I think we need to take a a hard look at where we go from here, particularly for believers that are involved in this process. And we can say more about that later, but I just, um, mm-hmm. I'm a little shocked and yet I knew it could happen. Uh, I think then you get into all the woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff. And maybe we'll talk about that later, but you know, was Trump wise to come 
and speak at that rally, you know, on the final day before the uh, runoffs in Georgia? Uh, what about what Kelly Loeffler said about how she's going to challenge, you know, the uh, electoral college votes in the Senate uh, and kind of almost in a cocky way? And you wonder, was any of this stuff like poking the bear in the eye? Did any of this help tilt this thing in favor of the Democrats? And, they, and then there's the underlying question, were these even free and fair elections or was there still some kind of thing going on? Because, you know, David Perdue obviously is going to challenge uh, he's going to ask for some kind of a recount or something. He's not bowing out. I don't know about Leffler. Maybe you guys know, but it's just the whole thing's fascinating. Uh, I'm not at all surprised it happened, but I' a little disappointed. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, certainly me too. Uh, Roger, of course, uh, Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of the People's Republic of California. Some of your immediate thoughts, and uh, were you surprised that uh, that? Warnock won, and then at this point, it's a chance that Ossoff could win, too. Well, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised on both fronts, and the reason was I figured it was going to go one for the Republicans and one for the Democrats, but I thought that Warnock had been so outrageous in the media that he would not bamboozle as many people as he did. And I say that only because the guy's an ordained minister, he's pro-abortion, he's pro just about everything socialist that you would not want to see from a guy coming out of the pulpit, and yet that's kind of the activism that we've seen uh, show up, especially when it comes to leftist and progressive candidates. So I I thought for sure if there was going to be an upset or or victory for the Democrats, it would be Ossoff over Purdue. And this morning even National Review was saying that Ossoff went so far as to declare himself the victor even though the margin of victory as we're recording this is about or the margin of uh, between the two of them is about 17,000 votes so it really still is a little too close to call um you know i be honest with you guys i went to bed last night thinking okay how do we rebrand the country then is it ussa is that how it's going to be right. when the socialists take over because mm-hmm. i mean in all honesty the, the the quad has expanded nancy pelosi is a figurehead she barely won re-election as the speaker of the house among her own party didn't even get a majority of those there were several who showed up and voted present you know i mean there, there's just a just enough of diggery there but uh if we were concerned that the socialist front was going to really start to take hold uh in the united states congress um it, it, it appears to be here. And so uh, the only surprise for me is that um, that it, w- it went both for the Democrats. I thought it was going to be one each way and that we would still have some semblance of order. But now it's really Katie bar the door. And I think the GOP has a lot of questions to ask, ask and answer, a lot of soul searching to do. And I think the church does too, because the church was complicit in the way the mm-hmm. presidential election turned out and the way these two um, elections ran in Georgia. So in all honesty, I believe that uh, the soul searching is going to extend far and deep if it even happens at all. Yeah, and you know what the shame of it is? And I was actually telling this to my audience yesterday on the show, that if the body of Christ, if we didn't have 30%, according to the polls, LifeWay Research, if we didn't have 30% of self-described born-again evangelical Christians uh, vote Democrat, uh, vote for Joe Biden, refuse to vote for Trump, combined with if uh, if you didn't have a certain percentage, whatever that is, of evangelical Christians who didn't even bother to go and vote, okay? If we had just done our jobs, then in the presidential election, it would have been enough for Trump to overcome whatever cheating, rigging, corruption, ballot stuffing, and everything else that the Democrats did, even with all of the cheating, it would have been enough to overcome that. But the fact that 
we can, I mean, the uh, Democrats are able to enjoy 88 to 90 percent African-American support. And the party that stands up for life and traditional marriage and religious freedom, we can't get more than 70 percent of the evangelical Christian community, or at least those who call themselves that. Uh, I find that scandalous. And yes, I believe that the church does have some soul searching uh, that we need to do and, and ask ourselves, why are we turning a blind eye to those in our ranks that we ought to be, I know this sounds harsh, but we ought to be rebuking, okay? Why, why is it that, that we have no problem saying to a fellow believer in Christ, uh, look, you really got no business as a Christian using that kind of language. You really have no business as a Christian going to those strip clubs, okay? You really have no business as a Christian engaging in those kind of things. Why don't we also say, you know, as a Christian, I have to call you to repentance for supporting a party and candidates that are promoting abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, that are supporting transgenderism being forced on our kids, homosexuality, rewriting of marriage, and forcing Christian business owners to violate their beliefs in all kinds of areas, anti-Israel. Why shouldn't we be calling brothers and sisters in Christ to account for things like that if we do and everything else? I'm getting on a rant. John, let me throw it over to you. John Rush, Rush to Reason, of course, out of Denver, Colorado. Your immediate thoughts and takeaway from Georgia and the Democrats' apparent victory there. Well, I would have to say, you know, on top of all of what you guys just said, amen or a woman. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh, oh. By the way, oh, I, John, I, 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 I got to ask you, John, do, do you think do you think maybe that uh, in Congress now, Emmanuel Cleaver and the rest of them, will we have a mask instead of a mask mandate? Will it be a mask person date? Uh, uh, probably. I, I'm just yep. kind of curious how. Re- oh, my goodness. Sorry, I, Neil, how much, Neil, how much longer is Manhattan going to be around? You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, it's person ha- <laughs> asking for a hate. friend. Stop the hate. Don't don't bother me. Don't bother me right now. I'm praying for John Rush. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> I just had to, I had to throw that in. I mean, and, and really, I don't know that I can add anything to what you know either Bob, you, Neil, or Roger said. I, I have to. I, mean, I don't want to sound like I'm just copping out and don't want to add anything. But you know, you, you guys really have have said it all. The one thing though that I don't hear many talking about. My son and I have been talking about this quite a bit the last few days. And I, you guys, I'm not trying to be you know, uh, an anti-Trumper by any means. You guys know me. I, I think the guy did a lot of uh, great things for us, for the country and so on. He's not a politician. I think that has shown greatly here in, in the last, uh, probably the last year, especially. And, and frankly, because he's not a politician, I think it hurt in many, many ways, including this Senate runoff that we just went through. I, I think there's, and we've said this before on the program, Trump is his own worst enemy, and right now I think he's the worst enemy of the GOP because he's basically, even though there's those out there that think he's the, the, the face of the party, and he may very well be, he's destroying our chances of winning in the future if he continues to act and behave the way that he is. And I'm just being honest, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's address the acting and behaving the way that he is thing, and, and, and we'll, we'll do that coming up after the break. We're going to take a short break right now on this National Crawford Roundtable. And one of the things that I really appreciate about the body of Christ is how they step up and help people in need. I know a lot of you are familiar with Compassion International. This is a tremendous ministry. It's a Christian ministry that's been around for 68 years. And you know, all over the world, they're set up in the 
poorest regions imaginable where children are literally starving to death, everybody, begging for food, just trying to survive. Uh, they need food. They need clothing. They need clean drinking water, medical care. They need to be prayed with and taught about Jesus Christ. They need to be educated. And you know something? You can provide this for $38 a month. What I'm asking all of you listening to this podcast right now is this. Would you prayerfully consider right now sponsoring a child through Compassion International for $38 a month? That's a buck and a quarter a day. You don't have to sign any contracts. It's all voluntary. But you know something? You're going to change a child's life. And that child will know who you are, writing letters to you, coloring pictures for you, thanking you for sponsoring them. So here's all you have to do to sponsor a child right now. Go ahead and go online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you'll see right there the Compassion International link. Click on that, and you'll be able to see pictures of children that have been waiting a long time for sponsors. Would you do this right now? Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and sponsor a child. We sure appreciate you doing that. We're continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. We're talking about right now what happened in Georgia. And then, of course, we're going to move to the certification of the uh, of the Electoral College votes. And, you know, John, something that you brought up, and I know maybe when we get into the, the second half of this hour and, and we start talking about the Electoral College certification, we'll go a little bit deeper into, into Trump's handling of this. But one of the things that you're saying right, is that Trump is really messing things up right now for future elections. What would, John, what would you like to see Trump do differently? Just basically bow out and say that's it and stop encouraging the fighting or where do you believe he is shooting himself and the republican party in the foot the most right now trump needs to understand basic marketing and who you're trying to market to and i think partly what's happened in georgia and i could be wrong i'm I'm not an expert i'm a commentator just like you guys i'm not an expert in this but i do read and watch and see the data and you know you, you as hosts <clears throat> we get all these uh Information, I guess you could say, that feeds into us on a on a regular basis, and we talk to lots of people. And I do feel like you know he needs to really, which, which is surprising, because being the businessman that he is, you think he would understand the marketing aspect of this, but maybe he's not looking at it in, in the same manner. What I mean by that is he needs to understand, you know, who his customer is, what he's trying to do with that customer. And, and I think in Georgia, what's happened is I, I really feel like. Because of his rhetoric about the election being unfair, which, by the way, I, I can't say that I disagree. Was it stolen away and was there a lot of fraud across the board? I, I think the answer is yes. The problem is proving every single point of that fraud across the country. That's the difficult part because I think it was so widespread that I don't think you can just put your finger on any one particular thing and say, that's it. That's why we lost the election. I think it was so rampant and the other side did such a great job at it that there's, there's really no way to even come in and prove it. That's my own belief system. But I think because of all of the rhetoric coming out of Trump and, and, and even his, his campaign, if you would, I honestly believe people in Georgia may have felt like, does my vote even count, so why bother? The turnout wasn't as good as it was in November for Republicans, and that hurt us. And you have to ask ask yourself the question, was that because of all of Trump's ranting and raving? Okay, but John, let me push back on that a little bit. What is the alternative? It's almost like a double-edged sword because if if there's not ranting and raving and working people up into a frenzy about wh- what a, a fraud the election was, okay, but you have the to Democrats focus the ball on the positives without us making a stink. What? 
You, you, you can't. Okay, that's the, the way I would come out as president and say, you know what, guys, the election's done and over. We, we see the results. We're doing the best as a campaign, and internally, we're fighting it the best we can. But you know what? We've got an election in Georgia. We've got to fight this election. We need every single person to come out because guess what? Your vote does count. We're going to make sure that it counts because we're going to move forward in that direction. We need everybody on this bandwagon to make sure that we win the Senate moving forward. Otherwise, we are really in trouble as a country. And you've got to put Put that message out, not the constant bickering about what's happening with Dominion software or with this or with that. And while I agree with that, that's not how you market to the people that you're trying to get to win the election. Okay, now I do got to say, in all fairness, everything that you said that Trump needs to say, he has said that repeatedly and almost verbatim exactly how you said it there he was saying those very same things he was saying this at the rally uh, last night and he's he's also said this and tweeted this but he's done that while at the same time attacking the fraud that took Correct. place in this election and Correct. To and that's and my point them. is you can't do both okay all right you know and, and that's a fair point and by the way you might be right about that i just I don't know what the answer is. Part of me is like, okay, if this is a double-edged sword I was talking about, that if you if you do make a big stink out of this, then yes, you are also going to discourage voters to go, oh, well, what's the use? So how do you make right. a big stink, say you can't trust the elections, this is fraud, but hey, still go out and vote anyway. Uh, but then at the same time, if you if you don't make a big stink out of it, then the Democrats love it because it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, this is becoming a three-day news story of complaint, and then we move on. We got away with it. Uh, so there is part of me that likes the fact that the Republican, that there are some Republicans led by Trump that are going nuclear about the fraud in this election so that Democrats know uh, we know how to be a squeaky door, too. We're not just going to go quietly into the night and blah, blah, blah. So I but I, I mean, I get what you're saying, too, because there are there are consequences to that and and the the voter the voters not getting out and voting is certainly one of them and, and roger let yeah me, the, the voter fatigue on, i guess yeah. is what i would call it as i think yeah, is what's happened in georgia yeah, I mean, and again guys like i said earlier i'm not an expert i'm just giving you guys my thoughts my commentary i i don't know exactly what happened in georgia there could be rampant fraud you know that we don't know about that that you know may come out you know several years down the road and frankly i think you'll see some things that take that long to come out you know, I know we're going to talk more about this, but you know, I think you know, I'm. You guys know, me. I'm a results guy, business guy. I'm always looking at okay, what's what are what are the cards that are being dealt, and then how do we deal with it from there? I can't control how the cards are dealt, but I can control the reaction to the cards that are dealt. And I think as as businessmen, Christians, you know, just individual citizens, we've got to you know got to respond in a way that we can now handle our lives moving forward. We can't just sit back and say, okay, well, it is what it is, you know, okay, sarah, sarah. We, we mm. do have to do some things moving forward. But on the same token, we can't just sit around and mope around. And, you know, and I've seen people doing this already. You can't just mope around, put your head in the sand and say, oh, the, the sky's falling. Let's, you know, the tribulation's starting. You know, let's move into the next chapter of the world. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing right. I've ever heard. No, you know what? I, look, I, um, by the way, the late great Charlie Daniels would say he knows what happened. The devil went down to Georgia. Okay. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> there's my Warnock joke. But all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But I'll tell you what. Let's do this, everybody, because we're going to take another short break, and I want to continue this conversation and get uh, Neil and Roger in on this as you listen to the National Crawford Roundtable. You know, I was mentioning earlier, and I just want to ask all of you again: if you if you didn't respond yet to sponsor a child through Compassion International, I hope. 
hope that you'll do that now. I can tell you, I have traveled with Compassion International on many missions trips over the years, uh, and it's amazing seeing with your own eyes these children that are begging for food, everybody, just trying to survive. They're living in abject poverty around the world in huts, in shacks, dirt floors, no electricity, no running water. They go multiple days without eating anything, anybody, everybody. This is what they're going through right now. My wife and I have sponsored several children for years through Compassion International. And I'm asking you right now in this audience, would you sponsor a child today? Or maybe two, whatever you can afford to do. It's $38 a month. That's a buck and a quarter a day. All you have to do is this. Right now, you can go online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you'll see right there the link for sponsoring a child through Compassion. Click on that link, and there you'll see a bunch of pictures of children just waiting for a sponsor. And remember, Compassion does all of the work. They feed them, clothe them, educate them, teach them about Jesus Christ, pray with them. You just pay the $38 a month and collect letters from your child saying, thank you for doing this for me. So would you make this decision right now? Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Compassion link. I sure appreciate you doing that. Continuing our discussion here on the National Crawford Roundtable with myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, John Rush out of Denver, Roger Marsh out of California, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, Roger, some of your thoughts on what Neil was, what uh, John was talking about and, and the back and forth here that we're kind of having about what to do and, and what the response is. I absolutely agree with John that we can't just sit around and mope and complain about what happened, okay? We were robbed. We were absolutely robbed. But like any coach is going to tell his team in a football game, if if we were robbed by bad cause and dishonesty and corruption from the refs, we still have next week's game to gear up for. Mm-hmm. So get your heads up and let's get in the fight. Uh, even if we have to score two extra touchdowns just to equal the same amount. If if Republicans have to get 120% just to equal the 100% the Democrats have to do, so be it. We don't give up the fight. We do move forward. I totally agree with that. But how much of an issue do we make out of the voter fraud? And are we actually shooting ourselves in the foot by making too much out of it so that now suddenly Republicans just throw up their hands and say, it's not worth it? You know, I think one of the things that I've been trying to keep up on during the from the course of November 3rd to where we are right now is looking and trying to find out why were there 50 lawsuits filed alleging election fraud and why were they all thrown out? Why did the Supreme Court not want to hear the Pennsylvania case? What happened with the infamous phone call uh, in Georgia over the weekend? And the more I've been reading and studying of this, I realized that uh, in all honesty, just a super simplify this because we're a little short on time it it seems like the president really overshot his hand in terms of is there provable fraud yes did he need to get a lot of cooperation from state attorneys general and uh, secretaries of state to actually hear the charges i mean the georgia case there's a piece in redstate.com where they go through the entire phone call and talk about everything that was in there and all the components that really had to happen and it was kind of a last ditch hail mary and all basically the state of georgia had to do was run the clock out because they knew this was coming up with the election and then with the certification but in all honesty to kind of dovetailing off something john said the reason people love donald trump when they voted for him in 2016 is the reason right now that they're frustrated with him he's just being donald trump 
He he's lost. He doesn't like it. He's, t- he's taking it personally. You're right. He's a fighter, and he's fighting the way he knows how. He's fighting like he's the CEO of a company instead of dealing with this as the president of the United States. It's the same thing with, I don't have a problem with Vladimir Putin. Well, he personally doesn't, but when you're talking U.S. versus Russia, that's a whole different conversation. And I think that one of the strengths that Donald Trump had was he was the outsider. You know, the gunslinger rides in from out of town. Who is that mass stranger? That type of thing. And he's riding out the same way, but people are saying, no, now's when you're supposed to be the president and not Donald Trump businessman. And as Donald Trump businessman trying to be the president, you're screwing things up for the rest of the party. That doesn't let the GOP off the hook. And we could go into this in the second half of the podcast about the different things that have happened and why the GOP is always still standing there going, wow, how did that happen? The dumbest group of leadership I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe how ridiculous the GOP leadership has been. From 17 on, the minute Donald Trump was inaugurated into office, they've been working to try to make sure that it was a one-term presidency. And for some reason, the Ted Cruz's and Marco Rubio's and even some of the attorneys, too, have been sitting around saying, "Uh, wait a minute, how do they change those election laws? And we didn't know. You're supposed to know this stuff. And Mm -hmm. the fact that you didn't, it's on you. Thank you, Roger. So said. I think that I, that's a very, very well said, and, and the Republican Party has a lot of work to do. Uh, Neil, I know we only get about sixty seconds until we got to take a break. What yeah. You thought? Well, I, I brought up in a prior podcast that, that, that there's an attitude difference between Republicans and Democrats. That it, that you know, functionally, like Democrats are meaner, nastier people, and I, I don't know. Republicans seem to tend more towards uh, Christianity and morality and that kind of thing. Like they, they, in a Western, they'd be the guys wearing the white cowboy hats. So, you know, just, you know, on the surface, I just want to kind of point out that I think that the Republicans often kind of come at things like uh, without a real game plan in mind, that, that they just kind of want to be the nice guys and hope everything works out in the end. The Democrats have a plan. They want to pass, you know, Green New Deal. They want to uh, socialism, Obamacare, whatever these things are. They, they have these ideas about how they want to change the world. You know, Chuck Schumer, we want to change America. So make sure we vote for the Democrats in Georgia. I just want to say that I, I think it's time for the uh, Republicans to get some of that mindset, but to go on offense for once and just quit. Stop sitting back saying, oh, oh, I can't look at those guys. They just changed the election laws. Wow. I can't believe that they just did that. That's so wrong. I'm so outraged. Well, get out and do right. something yourself. So bottom line. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, folks, we're going to take a short break. We're at the halfway mark of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And listen, if you want to listen to the second half you need to do that through the podcast, okay? The second half is podcast only. And you can do this by, of course, going to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can also go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And we'd love it if you give us a nice five-star review, certainly on Apple or wherever you listen. But you have been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. This is a view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you, of course, by Compassion International. Tremendous worldwide ministry bringing hope in Jesus Christ to children in need. And we would love it if you'd sponsor a child. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Compassion link right there, and you can see children that you want to consider sponsoring, okay? And we're going to continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production.
Continuing the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco from the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, Roger Marsh of the People's Republic of California, who hosts the Bottom Line radio show out there, Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live from Buffalo, New York, John Rush of Rush to Reason from Denver, Colorado. Uh, we're talking about the two big political events that have happened this week, the race in Georgia and the apparent Democrat control now of the Senate, as well as the election certification uh, in the for Wednesday and what happens with Donald Trump going forward. And so... Guys, we're talking a lot about uh, Trump and the Republican Party and things that they need to do. And John and Roger, you guys made such excellent points uh, on this, certainly. And and Neil, uh, your input as well on this. What I'd like to do, though, I want to examine right now, before we get to the Electoral College certification issue, let's, let's examine the significance, though, of the Democrats having control of the Senate. With John Ossoff, it appears, is going to squeak out a win. Uh, Raphael Warnock, it appears, has won as well. So that gives Democrats control of the Senate. Uh, John and Roger, the points you guys were making about the Republican Party, shame on them and their weakness. This right now, over the course of the next two years, is when the Republican Party must, must, must finally grow that backbone and stand up and say, no, you will not ram through the things that you're planning on ramming through. So let's think about how significant this is. Uh, I can see the Democrats figuring, hey, you know, let's get rid of the filibuster. And now that we got rid of the filibuster, let's change the number on the Supreme Court to add two or four more seats. Uh, I see them potentially trying to rig future elections, making it easier for them to win by padding themselves with more electoral college votes, by turning Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico into states. Uh, That'll give them uh, not only four more Democrat senators, but anywhere from five to ten U.S. House members, which is going to be anywhere from 10 to 15 more electoral college votes for Democrats. I see them trying to add federal judge seats across the country. And I also see the Democrats changing election laws uh, to make mass mail-in voting required for all 50 states, banning voter ID laws, uh, requiring ballot harvesting to be approved in all 50 states, same-day registration in all 50 states. I mean, there are a lot of things that the Democrats can do over the next two years to ensure perpetual Democrat victories going forward in elections and in court cases. There's a lot at stake here, guys, and I am telling you, if the Republicans do not grow a backbone and act like a kicked hornet's nest and say, no, we will not allow this, somehow, some way, they have to be marketing-wise and marketing-savvy to overcome big tech, Facebook, Twitter, Google's dishonesty and censorship, the mainstream media's dishonesty, and they have to get this message and this fight out of the public. How do they do it? Let's throw it around the table. Uh, John, your thoughts first. Well, and on top of everything you just said, Bob, I think they also we also need to figure out how to run better better candidates because let's face it, there is some you know there's some black eyes in the candidates that just ran in Georgia and could very well be another reason why we you know we didn't win in Georgia. And you know, talking specifically about you know Kelly Loeffler and, and looking at mm-hmm. you know her husband and some of the issues that went on there and even some of the issues that she had while she was actually a senator. And again, there's things that we as a party need to go look in the mirror and say, okay, 
A, what are we going to do with what you just said a moment ago, Bob? And on top of that, how are we going to run the right people in the right places to make sure that we can somehow continue to win and turn this tide? And frankly, guys, I'm not sure that we have that part of it in us to actually make that happen, because I don't think we look at winning the same way the Democrats do. Now, back to what you said, Bob, about how do we fight all of that? That's a great question. And I'm not sure that that other than just saying everything you said and continuing to repeat that and then you know fight as much as we possibly can, keep in mind the Senate will be controlled by Harris, which I, I get it, it's still Democrat-controlled, but you know they've got elections they've got to win in two years. In fact, in the Georgia races, you know one of those races is only a two-year term. There'll be another race in Georgia in 2022 for a senator. So you know the Democrats, I think, also have to be careful in what they actually do and push through because that could cost them a lot in 2022. And trust me, they're not stupid. I, I do believe they recognize that. And will that play into our favor? I don't know, guys. Roger, what do you think? Well, you know, I think uh, we mentioned uh, <laughs> some of the things that the president has kind of brought on himself. Uh, I wanted to you know, calm down a little bit and uh, share with you some words of scripture that I think kind of encapsulate a little bit better what I was trying to articulate. Um, and it's from Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. You'll recognize the one who spoke these words. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I mean, there has to be some kind of wisdom. There has to be some kind of mm-hmm. strategy being set. As John mentioned, the laws. And, and quite frankly, Kimberly Strassel wrote enough standing piece for the uh, Wall Street Journal about two weeks after the election talking about House Resolution 1, which is the first resolution that the House of Representatives presents every time there's a new House. So the 117th Congress has been sworn in. There's going to be a House resolution that's going to be uh, presented in another couple of weeks. In 2017, Donald Trump's first year as president, it was all about tax reform. That was his big issue, and and there was a Republican majority in the House, and so that's what they did. In 2019, it was all about election reform. It was 600 pages. All this stuff about voting by mail and and giving, basically trying to give a short version give the federal government complete oversight of all state elections and you know when the coronavirus pandemic showed up and all of our governors kept saying well we want to make sure that we're safe and we don't want people exposed to the virus so we should all vote by mail that was all right out of that playbook and, mm-hmm. and the fact that there was a republican near majority in the house of representatives and they missed it completely just blew it off ah it's no big deal it's never going to happen guess what guys on january 6 2021 it happened Okay, so pay attention as you're moving forward, because to John's point, especially, you know, the sure, the Democrats are going to they're going to talk a great game, but they're going to do what they need to do to make sure that they don't get hammered in the midterms. You know, because quite frankly, let's not forget the fact that in the House of Representatives, there was no blue wave. There was no big landslide. Republicans flipped, what, 14, 15, 20 seats, something like that. Ten percent is openly pro-life now. I mean, there is some movement afoot on that level. The question is, will there be enough gas in the tank to really overturn things? So by the time 2022 and 2024 roll around, you'll start seeing some more conservative politicians actually getting a seat at the table. Yeah, a very good point. Uh, Neil Boron uh, out of Buffalo, New York. What's your what's your take on that, and what do we do going forward? I don't know. I think I'd rather ask a question than, than share a comment because I really okay. appreciate what you know what you guys have laid out that you know thus far. But my question is, um, do we begin to look towards new leadership in the Republican Party, or do we hope that Donald Trump runs again in 2024? Because um, I think that the the party itself is at a crossroads right now, um, clearly, <laughs> because uh, they had their hat handed to him in Georgia, uh, apparently didn't win the presidential election. I know people will dispute that issue. I'm not here to argue that there wasn't voter fraud or something, but I'm just saying uh, 
the Republican Party's uh, at a very in a very difficult place right now. And uh, with all the things that you outlined, Bob, about what's going to happen, you know, with uh, you know Supreme Court packing and all of that stuff, um, changing election laws, this this could be for, in perpetuity. This this could be something that's not really just going to be about the next election in two years. This is this could be the future we're looking at. If that's the case, then I have other things to say to the body of Christ, and maybe we can get to that later. But as far as the political stuff goes, I'm just curious if if it's time to to unhitch the wagon from donald trump or uh, continue to hope that somehow he comes back in 2024 to save the day i i'm of the opinion it's time to unhitch the wagon uh, although i don't know where we go from here yeah oh well uh very by the way i agree with you neil yeah so you you, i I, I hear you same all right Okay. Uh, I, I think I think, and I love Trump dearly, but I think it's run its course, and I think he I think he showed what needs to happen inside the party, and I think we need strong leadership like what he's done, but I do think we need somebody in the next round that is is a lot more polished and well rounded. I, I think again, he set the stage for some things we need to look at doing and continue to do as a Republican party. I think he's been a, a pretty good leader in a lot of areas, and he's been a poor leader in some other areas, and we you know, we've talked about a lot of that even on this program. And while I, I actually love Donald Trump, I, I like his approach in most cases. I like what he's done. I like the fact that that he doesn't get swayed one direction or another, depending upon what's going on in the political climate. I appreciate that about him. But again, I think when it comes to how he markets himself, he's a huge failure in how he markets himself. Well, I will say this. I, I, I believe in just my opinion, I would really like to see the body of Christ and conservatives and pro-lifers uh, stand up for Donald Trump and not allow his legacy, if you will, to be uh, smeared and overshadowed by his shortcomings and his warts and his flaws. Because the bottom line, this man got a lot accomplished in four years' time, and he did it uh, against unprecedented opposition and corruption from the Democrats, from the media, from big tech. Yet somehow, he managed to get three conservatives on the Supreme Court. He pushed through more pro-life measures than Ronald Reagan and George Bush did combined. He fought hard for Israel. He got the corporate tax rate from 35 down to 21%. He got taxes reduced for everybody else across the board, and he was a champion for evangelical Christianity, religious freedom, and he packed the government. And by the way, the federal courts across this country, 280 right. or so yes. federal judges, mostly conservative, pro-life, and Christian. So and, and by the way, Bob, I mean, just said we, I we need to applaud. Yeah, everything you said, fully, fully right. agree with. And what's really sad is the fact that that could have continued again. I go back to had he, you know, in a way rebranded himself in the last two years of his presidency and still accomplished all the things that you just said, which I believe he could have done. We would be having a different conversation today had he rebranded himself and became more marketable. That's my point. I think you're 100 percent correct, Bob. I'm not going to take anything away from him for anything he's done there. But he failed in marketing himself to the American population. I, under, I understand that. All, all I'm saying is that we have a tendency sometimes, not regarding Donald Trump, but just in general, we have a tendency sometimes to totally eat our own. We're like a bunch of praying mantises sometimes. I agree. And, and, and I just I don't want us to fall into this trap with Donald Trump where before you know it, 
all of the good that he did in fighting for us is overshadowed by our criticisms of him and, and our, no, and, and, our again, and minor autopsies. constructive criticisms in that if we're going you know Neil said where do we go from here well I'm answering that where we go from here is we need somebody very much like Donald Trump but is more marketable to the masses than what Donald Trump was that's that's where I'm going and that's my answer not criticizing him for anything he's done on his accomplishments but you know sure. I'll criticize where it's due he he He's awful in the marketing department. I'm just going to say it like it is. I'm a business guy. I can call it out, and I'm going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good for you, and I'm in agreement. Hey, I, we need to take a break. Can I take a break? And then, because yes. I got something else I want to say about this. Is that all right? So, Absolutely. Uh, all right. All right. We will take a break here and be back with more of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast after this. Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. My name is Neil Boron. I'm in Buffalo, New York. Bob Duco leading the charge out of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, John Rush in Denver, Colorado, and Roger Marsh in the People's Republic of California. We're having a conversation today about... All things related to the Georgia runoff elections and now um, more specifically what the future of the party looks like and where we go with Donald Trump and what's happening today in the U.S. Congress. Uh, Of course, this has been recorded on Wednesday morning, the day that the Congress will convene to uh, certify the results of the Electoral College vote. But, uh, you know, let me just throw out a quick example and then you guys can chew on it briefly because I know we have other stuff to talk about. But, like, if, if you... If we attended a church where there was a founding pastor who was a, a you know a big personality, a large you know uh, character kind of thing, and, and uh, had a lot of power, had a lot of good ideas, and, and then eventually disappeared either because of death or you know some scandal or something else was gone. Um, but that leader had never really equipped other people to take over. The church is in dire trouble if it's you know sort of a one man band kind of thing. What I see personally, this is my opinion, totally. You can totally disagree with me, but I think that the, the Democrats fight like they're in a gang, like that, that there's a, a greater cohesiveness amongst the Democrats, and that the Republicans occasionally are like, you know, like the 10 guys after school who say, should we get involved in this uh, thing? Should we go take on those gang members or not? But there's nothing bonding them together. Same thing could happen in a church where people aren't encouraged to rise in leadership and become the body of Christ and begin to you know live out what God has commanded them to do. So my point is this. I think there's been a lot of people sitting on the sidelines hoping Donald Trump would save the day and and not just amongst you know politicians, but I mean voters as well. I think we've put an awful lot on his back and he's accomplished a tremendous amount, but he's also been divisive in some ways and now that he's gone, wow, huge vacuum. There's like this huge vacuum of leadership. So I I think it's time to start establishing some cohesiveness in the party, whatever that looks like. Get the rhinos out and become a, a unit that can accomplish something in the future together, no matter who your next leader is. Because, our, you know, the power can only be uh, – you can only hold on to these things till the next election. That, that's how I – mean, like the Democrats right now are going to have control of the both houses of Congress for the next two years. But all that could be gone in two years. So uh, it's it's fleeting power. And I just think in the meantime, we need to develop a strategy to really have cohesiveness in the future or we're in big trouble long term. Yeah. Well, I, I think those are all some very, very fair points. Absolutely. Let's uh, 
Let's talk a little bit about what's happening today as we broadcast this on Wednesday, the election certification process. Uh, you do have some Republican senators who have said that they're going to join Republican House members in objecting to the Electoral College results in individual states. Uh, Ted Cruz, probably the biggest name, Josh Hawley, along with him. Uh, but the Constitution requires somebody from the House and from the Senate to uh, bring about a an objection to an individual state. And it looks like they're probably going to do that for Georgia, for uh, Wisconsin, probably for Pennsylvania, maybe Arizona. You know, we'll see. Uh, but in, in bringing this, I, I think everybody knows this is a futile effort. There are some that are holding on to a false hope that this might actually change things. It's not going to change anything. We know that even with the objections brought forward in the House and Senate, they break to debate this for a couple of hours. We know that the uh, House controlled by Democrats are clearly going to vote to accept the Biden results for the Electoral College votes. But in the Senate, they're going to do that, too. There's going to be a few Republican senators who will vote no. But my guess is most of them are going to say, you know what, enough is enough. Let's just go ahead and move on. So this has no chance of changing anything. It just delays the process, which then begs the question. And John, let me throw this to you because this is a little bit of what we were talking about before. Is this a since this is a futile effort on Ted Cruz's part and on the Republicans part and whatever, are they wrong to do it or are they right to do it, to object anyway, to to slow the process just so that at least they make a statement and they go down swinging? I think it's okay for them to go down swing and to make a statement. I see nothing wrong with that. I, I don't think at the end of the day it's going to change anything. And and you said it very well, Bob. I, I Again, I don't want to make it sound like it's futile, but in a way it probably is because, let's face it, it's, it's going to get rubber stamped today. It's going to go through. There's those out there that say it's not and that, you know, Pence is going to use his power to – to, you know, not have the electorals, you know, counted and all that. By the way, I don't see any of that happening. It's going to get rubber stamped. It's going to go through. Is it okay for the Ted Cruz's and such of the world to oppose that and to vote against it and, and, and do the things that they want to do in opposition? I think actually given who they are, if they don't, I think it hurts them worse if they don't do that. So in a way, I don't mm-hmm. think they have a choice, guys. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Roger Marsh? Agreed. They're running for re-election in 2022, and they have to make, or in the case of Tommy Tuberville, I, I think he's just getting in, uh, his own uh, feet wet here, as it were. It, it's a, it's a, it really it costs them nothing to do it. Of course, they'll get ridiculed by the media. They'll invigorate their own base. But the odds are so long to get something like this to happen. And quite frankly, the one part of this story that I'm getting really tired of hearing, maybe you guys are too, unprecedented nature of what's going on really what happened in 2001 when there was a challenge to george w bush's results in mm-hmm. florida the democrats mm-hmm. brought that one how about the challenge against barbara boxer Bar- from the people's republic 2005 challenged the results in texas just couldn't get a senator to go along with it it's not like this hasn't happened before but because it's donald trump and everything gets magnified and this that and the other thing i think they're absolutely right to go ahead and bring this up but anybody who's at home praying for a miracle and god bless the people who are marching in washington dc and saying we're supporting the president what's going to happen today my prediction is they're going to they're going to bring the challenges and they're not going to get the votes and we're going to go ahead and certify the election i mean that's so basically there there's some ground game being laid for the 2022 uh, elections and to that i mean you're right it's you've only got one card left you got to play it 
Right. So uh, is uh, is, Sid- is Sidney Powell ready to bring the bombshell, or is she just a circus act? Hmm. Where's the uh, bombshell at? That's the oh my gosh! The kraken, well, that's my the kraken, right? Yeah, I mean, what I'm I'm embarrassed that whole thing came up. Unless she shows up today with a whole bunch of information that the Congress needs to take a serious look at. But what what was that? That was like ridiculous. It seemed to well, me like it was a Trump, pl- a Trump plan to go such? ahead. And, yeah, I mean, to, to uh, you, you've got the president calling the shots, and the fact that he, you know, would have an attorney, and you know, one day Powell's part of the team, and the next day she's not, and then the, the gal who was representing him in the Georgia case against Raffensperger, and then all of a sudden her firm saying, "Well, we're not representing the president here." I mean, he was really grasping at straws. I, there may be widespread, you know, problems with Dominion software. There may be all of those things. You don't, but even Jen Ellis, our colleague, said, "Hey, this is the kind of stuff that takes years to litigate, and we're trying to do this in right. weeks." The idea yeah. that they that they just started to go after this after November third just shows how, how foolhardy it was. And yet, there were seventy five million Americans, many of whom were willing to believe, because the larger issue, I think, and we talked about this yesterday on the Bottom Line Show, was was election integrity is a big deal to everybody. It doesn't matter whether sure. you're a Democrat or Republican. We want to know that when we cast our vote, it is being counted. We don't want to have to question whether. Or not. I wonder how many people in Georgia took Lynn Wood's advice and didn't vote because they were afraid there was so much fraud. They thought, well, it's not going to matter anyway. I mean, there were nearly 8 million registered voters in Georgia. And as John mentioned earlier, the turnout for the Georgia uh, Senate runoff was less than for the general election. I'm sure a lot of people kind of got scared away by some of the things that were said and these challenges. Another case where inadvertently the president wound up shooting himself in the foot. Right. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. Uh, so, w- with with the, this case, then in in the uh, in the Congress, we know it's not going to go anywhere. We know it's not going to uh, get overturned. What do you suppose happens then to and John? What's your take on the people that the diehards that are just insisting that Trump is still mm. going to serve another four years? I mean, we've heard the prophecies. I know mm. one of the yeah. probably between now and the inauguration day, we'll have to devote a show to what do we do with all the the prophets and the biblical prophecies yep. that have been put out there. But in a general sense, I don't know about you, John, but. You know, I I still got those diehard listeners in my audience that will not give up on this, and they're yep. they're mad at me. me. They're sending me email going, "Bob, where's yep. your faith? Where's your trust? I can't believe you're being such a me coward too. and a wimp." And it's like, no, uh, I'm just me being too. a realist. But so, what do we do? What do we do with these people, and and how do they move forward now? And, and when is it acceptable for them to go? Okay, it doesn't look like Trump's going to get another four years. And I know we got to take a short break here, too, but I'd love to yeah, hear your take. Yeah, on that. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org. And be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. And we're back, National Crawford Roundtable, myself, Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, and uh, Bob Duco, of course. And, and Bob, d- same thing. I, I'm sure Roger and Neil are the same. I've got, you know, listeners that even yesterday I had a call. Oh, Trump's still going to, somehow it's going to pull it out. I believe God's got a plan and this, that, and the other. And 
and it's not that I'm, I'm not saying God doesn't have a plan, but I'm not, what I'm saying is I don't think this is God's plan at the moment. I, you guys know my feelings on this. We can do about a whole show even on how I feel politics in America works in relation to, you know, the Lord Almighty. And, and my feeling is we have free will. We vote with that free will. And if we don't do our part as conservatives and Republicans and all the things we've talked about in the show today, we lose. It's as simple as that. It doesn't really matter you know, what, what, what God wants, God wants all of us to come to him, be saved, not sin, you know, go down those paths. But the reality is we don't. So does God always get his way? That's a deeper subject we could cover on another pod, podcast, guys, I'm not going to get into right this second. But what do we do with all these people and when do they move on? Um, I think as soon as Pence rubber stamps the election, they need to move on. And that's going to be today. Yeah. Well, uh, probably, probably. I mean, at some point, they're going to have to. I, I, it's, it's amazing. You do wonder how many of them are maybe even going to possibly hold on to this beyond January 20th. You know, I don't know. Roger, have you caught I, heat from, from any of your listeners for suggesting that uh, Donald Trump is not going to serve the next four years? No, not really. I mean, and quite frankly, really? I think it's because people in the People's Republic of California are just so used to this kind of thing, in all honesty. I mean, remember, this is a state where people will vote you know, Republican, and not every county, the 58 counties in California, and about 31 of them will vote majority Democrat, but those are all the big ones. It's, it's San Francisco, it's Los Angeles. I mean, that that's where all the votes come from. So when you see the popular vote saying, hey, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump by, you know, 10 million votes, that's the reason why. I mean, there's some, we have a couple of counties here that are pretty red that have 900,000 people in them. You know, I mean, there are, the city of Los Angeles is five times that big. But as far as the, you know, the, the heat goes, I do hear from people who are very, very concerned that this is going to you know, go the way that it looks like it's going to go. But in all honesty, I think there's a bit more frustration and a little more pragmatism in terms of, okay, well, what are the next steps? I mean, this is the way we're going. I just came across a quote uh, on Facebook that uh, one of my Facebook friends uh, posted from Dr. Raphael Warnock. And this is the quote, will we continue to divide, distract, and dishonor one another, or will we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? And I'm thinking to myself, wait, okay, says the guy who advocates the killing of the unborn child in the womb. How about loving that neighbor, right? I mean, that's a fair question to ask. And yet it's amazing how many people will look at that and say, you're right. We shouldn't want to divide and distract and dishonor one another. We will love our neighbors as ourselves, and we're going to let it begin with me. Well, that's fine, but you elected this guy who supports the murder and the slaughter of children in the womb. So uh, we can have a pragmatic conversation about it, but in all honesty, to your point, there are people who feel that way, but they're not as upset. I think they're a little more pragmatic, and we actually have a couple of people who listen on a regular basis who are saying, hey, this is great. We're glad Joe Biden won. Trump's an idiot, and blah, 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 blah. So, um, you know, there were... We have a lot of reluctant Trump supporters, maybe not as many passionate Trump supporters. And, um, you know, that's kind of the way we roll here in the People's Republic. Like I said, we've been kind of on lockdown for such a long time that uh, there isn't quite the same passion among all of our listeners. Can I just jump in for a second, too? That's well said. Uh, You know, on the heels of all that, um, I've had a little bit of pushback from a few people, mostly, honestly, via email and social media couple comments on air but um but that's because i honestly believe that we also have a narrative like if we think that the democrats have this progressive narrative that you know in christian circles anyway it's that uh that a person like donald trump who's pro-life and and pro-christianity in so many ways the most pro-christian president that ever served i think uh, unless in the first you know 100 years of our existence as the united states of america but um uh you know there's this idea that well obviously God wants Donald Trump to be the president. And maybe, 
uh, I'm not discounting that that could be the case, but what I'm getting at is like, you know, I'm thinking of Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I really think that what what if, what if this is part of God's purpose that, that the church itself be purified by the, by the idea that we not have somebody like Donald Trump to count on and that we really need to look internally and say, what is God requiring of me right now? What What is my role? How can I be the salt and the light of the earth? What can I do given the fact that we have no political power in a sense? I mean, I'm exaggerating that. But, you know, what is it that he's calling the church to do in the meantime? And I really think that this could be a time of purification. What's interesting, you mentioned the prophets, and I really hope we do a show on prophecy sometime, mm-hmm. simply because I think it needs to be addressed. If, if and you know, let's say big if, because who knows, maybe something miraculous and you know, of biblical proportions will happen when that electoral college thing happens today. I don't expect it to. I'm with you on that, Bob. But but let's just say something did happen. Okay, well, then the prophets were right. But the ones who said that, you know, Donald Trump will serve a second term, thus saith the Lord, a consecutive term, thus saith the Lord, uh, they were wrong, and they need to be called out. But, you know, isn't it interesting that, in biblically speaking, prophets primarily were used to point people to Jesus and call people to repentance? And what's why is it that all these prophecies revolve around we're going to be blessed because we have taken care of the unborn and Donald Trump will be reelected again. Wait a minute. What about calling us to personal holiness and trusting right. in God and God alone? And I, I, I think that maybe God's saying something to the church in this moment and it isn't really just about what's happening in Washington, D.C. See, Neil, I could not agree with you more about this. This is, this is something that I believe, quite frankly, the church needs there there are many of us in the body of Christ that need to grow up a little bit and and I do believe that there's a little bit of separating from the wheat from the chaff that that's going on here as well that mm-hmm. uh that there are a lot of people who have put been putting their hope in a fair election their hope in Donald Trump their hope in mm-hmm. America their hope in our way of life and don't get me wrong I I think we should support these things and fight for these things even but we can't place our hope in them. And in here in America, we've been so blessed with the double-edged sword of God's blessing because on one hand, uh, we're tremendously blessed in many different areas. But on the other hand, uh, it's almost like we lose our dependency and reliance upon God because we have so many things in this country that mm-hmm. we, quote-unquote, don't need him anymore. And you look at what Christians are going through in the underground church in China and North Korea and Middle Eastern nations and such. Yeah. And we're so pampered in this country. And it almost seems like having having Donald Trump in essence, being a champion for us as he has been in Washington, D.C., and all the things that we've been able to cheer, to have that ripped away from us, and, and worse yet, ripped away from us through dishonesty, corruption, and and what I consider a rigged election, it's mm-hmm. gut check time, guys, I think, for us as Christians to say, wait a minute, where is my hope? Is it truly, really in Jesus Christ, or am I clinging to the things of this world too much? I, I really believe, John Rush, there is some maturing that needs to take place in the body of Christ, and sometimes God does allow people to be brought to their knees bef- uh, as part of their growing process. Well said. I know we're getting close to the end of the, the you know, the podcast and what we're doing here, guys. But you know, well said, Bob and and, and Neil as well, and and Roger too. I mean, I think there's. I've said this for years. You know, people put their their faith and their trust in a lot of cases in the wrong things, and mm-hmm. and it, 
politics. I mean, yes, we have a free country. Yes, it's great. Yes, I believe God was very instrumental in putting this country on earth like he has. We've been a great nation. We've helped a lot of other nations. You know, we've done a lot of great things. Will we continue to do that? I think if we as Christians do our part, yes. If we continue to just sit on our thumbs and not do what we're supposed to, which you talked about earlier, Bob, then I think our country's really in for for bad shape. And maybe this is the wake-up call that even Christians need that, hey, guys, you got to get out and, and play your part, even in the political realm, and not just sit around and let everybody else do it. Yeah, so true. Uh, we are just about out of time, but Roger, I'd love a final thought from you, Roger Marsh. Well, you know, we're, we're really at a crossroads here culturally, and I, I saw one pundit write that uh, what we saw here in Georgia yesterday had more to do with worldview than it did to do with political affiliation, and I think they're right. Um, there's infighting in the GOP. I don't know if the GOP, as it stands right now, is worth saving. I like the idea. I think Neil suggested rebuilding it a little bit. Uh, I think Donald Trump was a great agitator for the past four years, and he agitated some really great things that uh, that needed to come about. And uh, we will sorely miss them as we watch the new uh, administration come in and the new Congress come in. And uh, if we thought uh, 28 or 2008 was a fundamental transformation of America, um, the idea that we're being told that we're going to restore the soul of America by being even more <clears throat> leftist and communist then uh, well it's just going to be a new day but at the end of the day I, talking to ministry leaders that I get to work with and you guys do too who have international missions Bob your point was very well taken I just want to underscore it you know we, we've yeah. had it so easy and so good for yep. such a long time right. yep. um, our, we have people who are willing to lose their lives literally be beheaded yep. uh, burned alive in their churches for their faith and uh, if, if that's the way God is using their lives to bring others to faith in him then may he continue to use us and I mean I I, I don't wish this this horrible thing on on anybody in terms of what's happening to our once great nation. But uh, you know, a, a, until we take the words of Isaiah fifty three to heart, remember Jesus. Isaiah 53 one says he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty, no majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And yet it was what he did for us that draws us to him. And may Amen. we be Christ. May we be Christ to a lot of hurting people who are thinking, now that we have the government the way we want it, everything's going to be right with their world. I mean, woe right. to those who, who believe that. And may we be the, uh, the ministers of the true gospel that lead them to saving faith. Very well, well said, said. Rob. Very well said. Amen. I'll tell you what, we, we, love, we love America, we do, but we love Jesus yep. more. And uh, if we become the USSA, Jesus Christ is still Lord. So, Amen. Uh, folks, it's a national, another National Crawford Roundtable podcast uh, in the bank, and we would invite you to uh, go to, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Uh, give us a nice five-star review. We would love to have it. You can also go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and you can listen to past archive shows, CrawfordMedia.net, or CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And by the way, while you're there, you're going to see the big Compassion International link. We'd love it if you just click on that and maybe sponsor a child through Compassion International. Okay, it's a tremendous ministry, so do that. So all at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Net. Looking forward to be back with all of you folks again next week. And John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, always great catching up with you. Happy New Year. Looking forward to great things in the Lord. Thanks, Bob. God bless. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, guys. And thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Compassion International, a worldwide ministry bringing hope and Jesus to children in need. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Compassion logo to sponsor a child. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more, and it's also available at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. 
You can give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and be sure to look for the notification on your National Crawford Roundtable podcast app for when the next weekly edition is ready for you to hear. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.